It is Veterans Day weekend, and it, we do honor all of our veterans. And I've got you know a lot of veterans in my family. And my grandfather um, was in. I don't know. I think it's the Army Corps or something like that. They didn't call it like they call it today. And my aunt put a picture up on Facebook, and my cousin sent me this picture yesterday. This is my grandfather, Cletus Dunn. And she goes, I never thought you looked like Papa until I saw this picture. So um, I just wanted to honor him. And, you know, my dad was also in the military. And we've had a lot of different family members all throughout. So we just honor all of our veterans this morning. So... I heard this story a long time ago, and it kind of cracks me up, as you can tell, I'm already starting to smile, that this grandma took her little kid, grandson, to church with him, and I'm sure he was a lot like me, just like wiggling, fidgeting in his church, and he couldn't just sit there, and they didn't have kids' church, so he's just sitting there on the hard wooden bench, and he's just sitting there fidgeting and all this stuff, and five minutes seems like an eternity. So as they're going through, and he, he kind of gets bored, and he keeps tugging on her shirt, is it time to go, is it time to go? And she's like, no, 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 just be patient. And then he, he stopped, and he started looking around, and he noticed that they had all kind of flags up on the stage, and it was Veterans Day weekend for them as well. And so then he started asking her, he goes, Grandma, he goes, what's that flag? She goes, well, that's the flag for the Army. What's that flag? Well, that's the flag for the Air Force, and, and that one's this... He goes, well, what are all those flags for? She goes, it's to honor all the people who died in the service. Little boy got big eyes, and he looked, and he goes, was it the morning or the night service? <laughs> of course, he can relate because he's sitting there forever. Anyway, that always cracks me up, but um, we do honor our veterans, and no matter what service it was that they were in. So I want to talk to you this morning about a topic that is extremely challenging to me, And that is, do we react or do we respond when things come against us? When we react, that is our natural, just, it just comes naturally to us what we're going to do. So somebody comes up and slaps you and you go, boom, punch them right back in the face. Okay, I'll give you equal or more for what you give me. That's what you're going to get back. That's a reaction. That's when you go to the doctor and they put the little thing and your knee goes, okay, it doesn't have to think about it. It just automatically reacts. Or can we respond? Response is where I take a moment and I think and I process and I, I have an opportunity. I have a filter that goes through there to say, what is my response going to be? Pastor Chris Hodges tells a story about when he was going through college, his mom worked in the college where he was at and she got him a job and he was sitting there on his lunch break and he's reading his Bible and a Muslim man that is a friend of his boss came in and says, I can prove that you're not a Christian. You don't believe what's in that Bible. And he goes, really? He goes, I, no, I really believe. He goes, no, I'm proved you can't. He goes, he goes, I'll prove it right now. He goes, well, prove it. And he just whacked him as hard as he could up against the face. Like made his whole body fling. He goes, "What in the world are you? What did you, you do that for?" He goes, "Your Bible says that if somebody strikes you on the face, you'll turn the other cheek." Do you believe what your Bible says? He's like, "Well, I was thinking there's going to be a gotcha scripture. He's going to take me there, and I wouldn't know how to answer that, but he hit me." So he said, "All right." So he turned his face the other hand. He said, "I didn't think he's going to do it." He goes, "He hauled off and hit me on the other side just as hard." He goes, "What in the world?" he goes, no Christian has ever given me that response. 
He goes, they all got mad and they all, and he went on to talk. But do we have that responsibility? Do we have that reaction or do we have that response? Because when somebody smacks you up against the face, you want to go boom. Or maybe a one-two punch, you know, come back in. I'm going to take you down. It's on. Or do we really have the response to turn our cheek and give them the opportunity to strike us again? Galatians 5.22, it goes over the, the fruits of the Spirit, and it's a very well-known scripture in church, and as I have talked about before, in kids' church, you know, you talk about it, and you make little, you know, things on the wall, and there's cute little songs that can become annoying, but you, you, you hear the fruits of the Spirit, but it's more than just for kids' church. It's for us. So that's my challenge this morning. Galatians 5.22 But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, altogether, it it can just like run on and love, yeah, 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 we're supposed to love, yeah, joy, but I want us to break it down and look at the reaction, what comes naturally to us, or our response. And look at the response. Is our response really going to be what normally is there, or can we respond with the fruit of the Spirit? So love, the opposite of love is hate. Hate comes really natural to us. Somebody hates on us, they're talking poorly about us. It's really easy for me to turn my natural focus to them and go, I hate you back. You want to hate me? I hate you. That's, that's really easy. It's difficult to say you hate me and I love you. Jesus says, love those who hate you and despitefully use you. Wow. This fruit of the spirit thing isn't just some little thing for, for kids church only. It's pretty challenging for me. Can my response be love? When I perceive hate. Joy. The opposite is sadness. Man, things come against me. It's real easy to be sad. I don't have to work it up to be sad or to fall into depression or to be miserable, to be in misery. All that stuff just comes naturally. That's a natural reaction that can come when things just come against me. Joy, on the other hand. I've got to plug into God i got to plug into his plan, as we'll see in a moment. We've got to stay in there. It's like, God, no matter what's coming against me, the joy of the Lord can be my strength. Not the natural reaction that would be there. Peace. We've been talking about this a lot. We've talked about it five services this year. Anxiety is the opposite of that frustration or distress. Just really, this is one of the biggest topics that everyone wants to hear and talk about because it's what hits us all, all the time. It's easy, it's a natural response to have anxiety come out and to be frustrated when things don't go our way. But the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Can I have peace in the storm? Can I respond in God's way? Or am I just going to let whatever be my response? The next one is kindness. The opposite of kindness is meanness. Man, somebody's mean to me. I'm going to be mean right back to you. 
I don't have to practice that. I didn't have to go to youth camp to figure out how to do that. It's just, it's just natural. You want to have animosity towards me? I can show you animosity. You want to be salty? I can show you salty. But the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. So when kindness comes against me, can I return and show fruit that I've produced in my life by listening to God and not give the other fruit, the rotten fruit, goodness? What's the opposite of goodness? It's evil. Evil can come against me, and I can give just as much evil back as I get. Dishonest or wickedness. We all have the ability inside of us to be the bad side, the, the negative side of this. I can be evil. I can be dishonest. I can be wicked. That comes natural to me. That's my reaction that it can come right out. Or can I process and have a response that is the fruit of the Spirit? Faithfulness. We live in a world that is so unfaithful right now, unfaithful to friendships, to family, to, to um, marriages, to kids to all these different things. Unfaithfulness is rampant in our world. No one has to work it up to do that. Disloyalty, inconsistent. You say you'll be there and you don't. All these things, those are easy to happen. Faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit that God says, hey, this is how I want you to respond. I don't want you to be unfaithful. I don't want you to be disloyal. I want you to be faithful. Gentleness. The opposite is being abrupt or rude. It's real easy for me when I'm at a restaurant and that waitress is not paying attention to me and my sweet tea is empty and I'm thirsty and, you know, this has got a lot of salt in it, so I need some... And I, it's like, can I have some more tea? Can you give me a refill? And my wife's really good going, honey, 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 calm down. I can be abrupt. I can be very rude. Through the Spirit is gentleness. See, there's nothing that's going to be amazing about my life if I'm just like everybody else, that I'm rude and I'm I'm abrupt. Last one is self-control. The opposite is mob rule. So just the, the mob mentality, that we're just all going to do this. Let's just all go, pill, you know, just, just knock out the whole thing and just um, start fires and all this mob. We see that happening. It causes instability and rashness. Or are you going to have self-control? If the whole mob is trying to go, if all society is trying to go one way, And God's like, that's not my way. Am I going to follow in and do what is natural and react? Or am I going to have self-control and respond? See, the Bible says in Matthew 7, 16, that you will know them, those people that are around you, those people in your life by their fruits. We just contrasted good and bad. Good, godly, the fruits of the Spirit, or that which just comes natural to us. The Bible says, you'll know them by your fruits. But don't you already know that? You see people in your life, and you see the way they act, and the way they respond, and the way they do all these things, and you know if they're living the godly life, if they have the fruit of the Spirit in their life, or 
it's just whatever comes out, baby. I mean, that mouth is just going to blah. You know those people in your life that if you say one thing to them, you're going to hear all of the junk that happened to them all day long. You know them by their fruits. But it literally means what their harvest is. You're going to know them by what their harvest is, what their crops are, what are they producing. In other words, the Bible says what you're sowing, you're going to reap. So when I start seeing this harvest and this what you're reaping, I know what you've been sowing. If I put an apple seed in the ground, I'm not surprised when the apples come off the tree. I can't put apple seeds and expect an orange tree. Can't put lemons that I'm sowing and expect watermelon. We get what our harvests are. It says in Proverbs 20 that even a child is known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it's right. You can see a kid, and no matter how little they are, you know if they've had discipline in their life by the way they act. And what. You see, it's not limited to us. Everyone is known by the fruit that they're producing. So what fruit are we going to produce? See, I want to challenge you that walking with Christ isn't just as much about saying, okay, I want to accept Christ. Okay, I'm going to heaven. That's it. It's about producing fruit in our lives. But it's proving that we have a real relationship with God. So I've I've mixed it up a little bit here, and you'll see it's misspelled. But I want to challenge you that this is what I want it to be, a relationship. I want it to be real. It can't be fake. It can't be, I say that I'm a Christian, but I don't have any fruit of the Spirit in my life. I can't say, yeah, 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 I'm all this stuff, but I live like the devil all week long. It's got to be real. John 15, verse 4 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. A branch cannot produce fruit. So if we've got a branch on a tree, and you cut it off, it's no longer getting all the necessary ingredients it needs to keep producing fruit. It has to stay plugged in. If I take an apple tree that's got apples on it, and I whack it off, and I hold it, right now it still looks good, but next year is it going to have more apples on it? It's not. It's got to stay plugged in. Jesus says, you've got to produce fruit. The only way you can do that is to stay plugged in. I love this. The Bible says that he loved us while we were still sinners. While we were still out there sinning, he loved us first. He loved us first. Romans 5 says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And here's where it says, but God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love the way the Message Bible puts this. It says, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use 
whatsoever to him. Man, when I'm just doing the regular reactions and I'm just like everybody else, I'm of no use to God. There's nothing good inside of me, but God put his love on the line in the beginning. See, God took the first step. While we're still sinning, we're of no use to God. He's like, I'm going to send my son to pay for your sins. But the next step is we have to surrender our lives. We talk about that a lot around here. We have to surrender our life to God and say, I don't understand it all, God, but I'm going to surrender my life. I haven't done such a great job with my life. I'm going to trust my life to you. I'm going to surrender. But can I suggest to you that that is the next step? But there's an additional step. And it's called remaining. Remaining. God loved me first. I surrender my life to him. But then I stick with it. I remain. Can we go back to John 15, verse 4, and look at it in a different highlights? It says, remain in me, Jesus says, and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit as it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be faithful unless you remain in me. You've got to remain in me. It says in verse 8, My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit. You bear much fruit. And so prove or come into being that you're my disciples. You're proving that you're God's, Jesus' disciples, that you're in the path when you bear good fruit. Literally means to bring it forth. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, he's saying it in another way, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. That word appointed, I thought that was really curious, the wording of that. I went and looked it up, and it means destined or purposed. See, God says, I've destined you. You've got a destiny, and I've got a purpose for you that you would go and bear much fruit. That is good stuff. He says, I know that I have plans for you, it says in Jeremiah 29. It's great. It's wonderful things, but I have to let him. How do I get that destiny? How do I get that purpose life that God has for me to bear fruit by remaining? That means I can't just say one time, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I'm going to check a box on the connection card and say, yeah, 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 today's my day. That's wonderful. And that's the first step. And then never do anything else. It's the remaining. In, this, in the Message Bible, it says this. You didn't choose me, remember, but I chose you. And put you in this world to bear fruit. Fruit that won't spoil. We're all bearing fruit. But is your fruit spoiled? Because if I've got hate, if I've got all those other things that were the other side of it coming out of me, that's spoiled. John 8, 31 says, Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue, and it literally means remain in my words, 
Then you're truly my disciples. He goes, if you remain, if you get into this path, if you get into what I'm calling you into doing, this place, you continue in that, in my word. So you read through the chapter of the Bible a day. You read through the book as we're challenging everybody. You read through the one-year Bible. You read the word of God every day and let it just start changing you. If you remain in my word, you listen to the messages in church. You, you maybe listen to another podcast during the week and you just keep letting God come in and start teaching you what you're supposed to do. If you remain in my words, then you're truly my disciples. And then it's verse 32 that many people know. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But you see, most people will quote this, but they won't quote the beginning verse, the one right before it. Because Jesus says, if you continue or remain in me, in my word, doing what I've called you to do, doing what you know you're supposed to do, then you will know the truth. But you see, Jesus says, one of my names is I'm the way the truth in the life. So you're going to know the truth. You're going to know God. And then the truth will make you free. You've got to first know God. And then the truth will make you free. And the, the second thing of our whole thing that we're founded on, our four tenets, are to know God and to find freedom. We got it right here. You're going to know the truth. You're going to know God. And then you're going to, he will make you free. You're going to find freedom. But what is it all preceded by if you remain if you continue see we all bear fruit remember even a child is known by how they act so what fruit is in your life we're going to go back to Galatians and look at those This kind of fruit is what God wants in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What fruit is in your life? Will you bow your heads with me? What fruit is in your life? So those around you that would characterize you and it says that everyone will be known by their fruits, if they were to talk about you, what fruits would they say are in your life? Would you be defined by the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of you? I'm not coming at this from a place of saying I've got it all under control and I've got it all conquered. I'm coming to you this morning saying this is something that's challenging me. be the only fruit that's evident in my life but even as we saw that God loved us while we were yet sinners he took the first step so the first step to finding the fruit of the spirit in your life is are you in Christ are you plugged into that vine into that tree where you're getting from him every week we talk about this And we will continue to talk about this forever. Because without being in Him, none of it is going to work for us.
Are you in Christ? Have you made that decision? Are you remaining? Did you just make the decision and just left it there? Did the last part of your choice end with clicking that box on the connection card? Or are you remaining? I think we all have some additional steps that we can do in the remaining department. See, we're all far from God. But he took the first step. So I'm praying this prayer again this morning for myself. And I don't know if you've ever prayed this prayer, giving control of your life over to God. If you haven't, I want to ask you for the first time if you would consider praying that. Maybe you've prayed it before and you would say, I'm far from God. Or maybe you'd say, I've prayed it before and I've I've been doing a pretty good job, but man, I need some remaining. Can we all pray this prayer this morning? But I don't want us to pray it out loud because this relationship is very personal. It's between you and God. There's a public step that you take and that's baptism, but this is between you and him. If that's you today and you want to be a part, just pray this prayer with me. I'm going to help you with the words. Just pray this prayer. God in heaven, thank you for taking the first step, for sending your son Jesus to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you for trying to do it by myself. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to remain. I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time, for another time. And Lord, for every one of us, starting with me. Father, that we'll remain in your stream, remain in your path, we'll remain plugged into you. That Lord, we continue to see that we don't respect We are the fruits of the Spirit responding in our lives. That when someone reaches out with hate, I respond with God's love. Lord, when sadness or depression or misery tries to come upon me, that Lord, that I'm plugged into you and I'm able not to react and just slide down that slippery slope. But Lord, I'm able to have the joy of the Lord. When anxiety, frustration, and despair tries to come upon me, Lord, that the peace of God out. Lord, when meanness turns to kindness, evil turns to goodness, unfaithful becomes faithful. My abruptness and rudeness turns into gentleness, and instability and rashness turns into self-control. God, I'll always be known by the fruits that I have. 
Lord, is my great prayer, my great prayer for everyone here. They'll know you. They'll find freedom. That the fruit of the Spirit will be what we're known by. In Jesus' name we pray.